This week's podcast is proudly brought to you by Ducks Unlimited. For 85 years, DU has worked to restore, enhance, and protect wetlands to the benefit of wildlife and people. It's a daunting challenge and one our supporters take very seriously because to them, nothing is more important than the outdoors we all cherish. And it all starts in our local chapter events. To find an event near you or to join our volunteer team, go to www.ducks.org. DU, a proud sponsor of the Lone Star Outdoors show and sportsmen everywhere. Howdy, everybody. This week's podcast also brought to you by Spartan Forge. Born in war, Spartan Forge was conceived while targeting terrorists. Think about that. Targeting bad guys during deployments in support of the global war on terror. We can also use this technology because of its similarities to track mature bucks. Now it's time to get this analysis into your hands. It's military-based intelligence, next-generation mapping. I absolutely love it. And I love the people behind Spartan Forge. They're like me. Second Amendment till the day we die. No exceptions. America first. Spartan Forge. Check it out by downloading the app today. Even fools can see when all the chips are down. But when you're next to me, my world keeps spinning round. So what am I? What am I supposed to do without you? Yeah. Oh, baby, tell me now. What am I? Oh, what am I supposed to do without you? Good morning, good morning, good morning. Cable Smith, welcome in everybody into episode 631 of SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show presented by Mossberg Firearms. Thank you so much for being here today. A great tune there from the Mavericks. Uh, getting things going for us, by the way. What am I supposed to do? Raw Malo just has an amazing voice. Anyway, I uh, hope that everyone had a great week. Uh, the Smith family did. We, we went down to Galveston for our annual uh, beach getaway with my family. So my parents, my brother, his three kids, uh, wife, uh, my sister, and then my other brother and his wife. So it was a full house, uh, but the kids had a blast. And there's always rumblings from some of the other other adults who are like, let's go to Destin. I'm like, the kids don't give a crap about what color the sand is or the water, okay? They had no idea that blue water even existed until they saw pictures from my uh, Maui trip here recently. And I don't feel obligated to ride in the truck for 14 hours with them when Galveston is perfectly fine. And Galveston holds a special place in my heart because my grandparents lived in Houston. And so I very vividly remember doing the same thing that we did on this trip and every trip go spotlighting sand crabs on the beach at night and just loading them up in buckets only to let them go at the end of the excursion. But, uh, fond memories indeed. And then that escalated into going crabbing, you know, with chicken, uh, necks in a crab pot or net net, I guess, uh, off the pier. And my brother and I did that with my dad multiple times. So I always love going back to Galveston Island 
And oh, and then Henry and my dad and I went fishing on Sunday. The wind was wicked all weekend, um, but we did manage to catch a couple uh, black drum, and I caught a nice redfish. So we'll be having a little uh, redfish on the half shell uh, sometime this week. But I think the best thing was not a single jellyfish. Didn't see one the entire trip. So no kids running back screaming. They got stung, yada, yada, yada. Or dad's getting stung because no one else will go in the water with the kids because there's so many damn jellyfish. We've had that happen. I mean, to the point where the kids just got over getting stung that year because there were so many jellyfish. That's like a seasonal thing. Um, But we avoided all of them uh, this past week. So that was nice as well. Hopefully you and yours are making plans to get your toes in the water and ass in the sand here this summer or maybe uh you know a clay bank at the closest reservoir that will suffice too to to beat the summer heat um what are we doing today let me tell you all about it pull up that stool a little closer to the old campfire pour yourself another cup of that black rifle coffee out of granddaddy's beat up old stanley thermos because we're ready to rock and roll and chris duncan of gsm outdoors will be here for the duration today so much to get into uh, as he hails from Iowa. So we're going to talk Midwest deer hunting. We'll compare how he hunts to how we do things in Texas. I have some hot takes on what's a feeder, really, as someone who's hunted, manipulated crop fields in the Midwest. Um, yeah, I don't know if he'll agree with, with my take, but uh, we'll hash it out. Anyway, um, what about poaching? I think, so Chris bought a farm recently, and the previous owner, I guess, didn't even check up on the property. All the locals just had free run of the place, and he had to put a stop to that and was able to use his stealth cams to aid in that effort of keeping people off of his hunting property. Uh, We've got new models to get into We've got data plans as cheap as $5 and uh, lots of stuff on the stealth cam front. But uh, mostly going to be whitetail. Oh, we are also going to talk turkeys after all of this controversy surrounding reaping and fanning. uh, I want to get a Midwesterner's take on if they think that that is affecting turkey populations. So lots of cool stuff coming up today with... uh, Stealth Cam and GSM Outdoors, Chris Duncan. And since we are visiting with uh, one of our friends from Stealth Cam, we're going to do a Stealth Cam giveaway. How about the brand spanking new DS4K Transmit? This is like a $300 camera. Uh, Comes with a memory card, a 32 gigabyte memory card. And we're talking about 4K video and photos uploaded directly to your cell phone on that Stealth Cam Command app. So uh, to throw your hat in the ring, just text in, or excuse me, email in uh, to Lone Star Outdoor Show at gmail.com. Just email Whitetail. That's Whitetail to Lone Star Outdoor Show at gmail.com. And you are entered into the DS4K Transmit giveaway this week. Uh, let's take a quick break. Coming up next, it's big Midwestern Whitetail Bucks right here on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. 
I got my toes in the water, ass in the sand. I don't worry in a world of cold beer in my hand. Life is good today. Life is good today. In the market for a compact track loader? Check out the Bobcat Advantage, where Bobcat track loaders squared off against other brands in a variety of tests and challenges. Whether you're looking for performance advantages, uptime protection, or quality design, Bobcat compact track loaders are the best built machines in the industry. But don't take our word for it. Watch the videos at BobcatAdvantage.com or see Bobcat machines in person at one of our nine North Texas locations. Visit BobcatOfNorthTexas.com or call 469-586-0000 today. If you're looking to remodel your home, add a deck or arbor to the back patio, redo your fence, or build your dream home from the ground up, look no further than ECR Construction Group. My longtime bow hunting buddy, Josh Brown, is someone you can trust to deliver honest work on time. ECR Construction Group also serves the North Texas area, specializing in roofing, barn dominium builds, painting, and carpentry. So for your next project, call the folks I trust. That's ECR Construction Group at 214-400-1444 or ecrcg.com and he built boats out of wood big boats working in a shipyard mansions on the hill and a birdhouse in the backyard and he was tough as a crowbar he was quick as a chisel fair as a plane true as a level he was straight as a chalk line he was right as a rule Cable Smith, welcoming everybody back into SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show presented by Mossberg Firearms. Thanks for being here. Little Guy Clark, the carpenter. One of my biggest regrets, not catching a Guy Clark show before he passed away. I think he's one of the, the best songwriters we've we've ever seen. And uh, certainly the carpenter, no exception. Great tune. Um, this segment of the show proudly brought to you by... Numa's new Pathfinder pant. It's light. It's airy. At the same time, it's rugged. You could go fishing in it. You could go axis deer hunting in Hawaii, spring turkey, early season archery elk, you name it. Very diverse pant. And here's the cool thing. Numa guarantees all of their outdoor hunting gear for life. Who does that? 20% off too if you use that promo code LONESTAR20 when you check out at Numa. Dot com. All right. Um, well, let's go ahead and jump into things here with our guest today, Chris Duncan of Stealth Cam and GSM Outdoors. Thanks for being here, brother. Yeah, thanks for having me. For, for the folks tuning in on the radio or the podcast, obviously they can't see those nice white tails behind you there. Are, are these Iowa bucks I'm looking at? Yeah, these are some of them. Um, but yeah, I grew up in southern Iowa and been here my entire life so time flies by i'm actually going to be 36 this year and i shot my first deer with a bow when i was 12 so it's pretty wild how quick time flies by and um you know i've been working for gsm now since 2019 and before that was um, when mainstream holdings owned muddy and hawk and big game so mm -hmm. um, i think that was back in 2014 and GSM allowed me to continue to stay here in Southern Iowa and, and work. And I get, I get to do a lot of fun stuff working for them. I get to do a lot of product testing and, um, and then hunting, hunting big deer. And there's a lot of other stuff I get to do too. That's not as fun, but that's the <laughs> thing I get to do with them. And uh, there's a full body Turkey Mount mixed in there 
as well. Are you a big uh, turkey hunter too? Yeah, I am. Uh, so we're lucky. We, we've got a pretty good population of turkeys here. It's been on the decline, but started turkey hunting about the same oh, time. Oh, you're probably going to blame reaping for that. No, not necessarily. I think, I honestly think, uh, I think a lot of it's nest predation here uh-huh. and I've spoke with our turkey biologists and, um, he's talked, you know, I think it's, he said, it's probably a handful of different things, everything from we've had some wet and cool springs to nest predation to honestly like clean farming practices. That's a big deal now up here. Um, and then I've read a handful of other possibilities. None of the reasons were reaping. Wow. Amazing. He never brought that up. No, of course he didn't because it's hogwash Hunt how you want to. Yeah. Um, as long as it's legal and um, yeah, well, so they're on the decline, but you still have, uh, robust bag limits and seasons or we can shoot two a year, uh, in the Uh spring here in Iowa. And I actually just looked this morning and, this year in Iowa, because we have to, so we have a harvest report system where you have to call in your bird. If you shoot one, you have 24 mm-hmm. hours to call it in. So they've been keeping data since 2007 on turkey harvest numbers in Iowa. And this year we were like 11,900 and some turkeys harvested in the state. And the year before was 11,400. And honestly, pretty much every year besides 2020, it has been right around 11,000 to 12,000 birds. So pretty consistent, pretty consistent, but I can tell you, like, it just doesn't seem like I hear as many as I used to. So I used to hear, I mean, like I remember growing up as a kid and even into like late, I would say like 2008, nine, 10, I could go out and on a morning and it was nothing to hear. It literally was nothing to hear. 15 different toms gobbling you know some of them might be 400 yards away 500 yards away but that was not uncommon and and now um there's mornings where if you hear five that's quite a bit so i think um i think there's i i do think that the population is declining but the harvest data is not showing that Mm -hmm. i think hunters are i think they're becoming way more educated and they know how to kill them Um, and I think that there's still obviously enough out there to have success in the field. My, my big concern will be if we ever start seeing that harvest data dropping off. And I, I believe, and I, I don't know for sure, but I believe that the number of turkey hunters here is potentially been increasing. It seems like I know more people now that turkey hunt than did 10, 15 years ago. And if you really think about it, you might be able to blame reaping for that increase of turkey hunters a little bit. Um, I wouldn't, I think it's kind of, it's a glamorous way to do it. If you get it on film, right. And people like to see that it's up close and personal. Uh, You you throw in COVID and everyone had more free time on their hands. For sure. Um, So, and, and we've, we've got a lot more tools in our box right now to, to, to shoot a turkey, you know, like back in the, 80s and and even 90s there was until the late 90s uh mid to late 90s there was no no ground blinds there was no you know reaping was obviously after that but mm-hmm. look at the decoys as well back then i mean the yeah. decoys are we all remember those old like let's say one of those old flambeau you know foam <laughs> decoys that you'd throw up so you look at the technology and the advancement um 
you know, honestly, you, you used to have to really know how to use a turkey call mm -hmm. and you'd go out there and you'd be sitting against a tree and, you know, doing some running and gunning and you, you know, don't get me wrong. You could use a box call pretty fairly easily and you could use a push button call or something like that. But now if you just, if you just see where turkeys are going out in a field and you put a ground blind up, at least here in Iowa, they don't eat, like you could put it up that morning and put it on the X and throw a couple decoys out. When that big Tom comes out, there's a pretty good chance that he's probably going to be in your decoy setup. So I think we've See, got, it just doesn't appeal to me as much as running and gunning. Like, I don't want to, I spend so much time in a blind deer hunting or in a tree stand deer hunting. I don't want to deer hunt turkeys. And yeah. I, you know, it's kind of like why I like elk hunting. Cause you're out, you're pursuing them. You're talking to them. That's the chase for me that, which is what I love. I don't, I don't sure. I, I kind of, uh, when I see somebody and don't, don't take this the wrong way. Cause I don't know if you bow hunt turkeys or not, but when I see somebody sitting in a field all day, waiting in a blind for a turkey to shoot with a bow, I'm like, great. You killed him with the bow. Was that as fun as if you were out in the woods, like playing the game with them? Yeah. I suppose to, to each their own. I've done it. I've done it both ways. I've done it with, I've killed them out of blinds. I've killed them mm -hmm. with a bow. I've killed them reaping them. Mm -hmm. I've killed them running and gunning with no decoys and just a mouth call in my pocket. So mm -hmm. I've done it about any and every way. Um, but regardless, with that being said, there's definitely a lot more ways to kill them now than there used to be. Right. And um, I don't know. It'll be an interesting thing. I keep seeing posts on Facebook where people are complaining about their turkey numbers across the country. I saw Ohio, their harvest was 17,000 last year and down to 11,000 and something this year. Or it was like 21 to 17. I don't remember, but it was like 5,000 or 6,000 less birds this year. So they just, their, um, their DNR just announced today or this morning that they have to go, they're going to go from a two bird um, limit to one for next year. Here's what I think all has a lot to do with it is we got so good at turkey management that our the population over the last 20, even 30 years kind of skyrocketed. And we maybe we've got past our carrying capacity. And then you throw into the equation that there's no really no fur trade anymore. Like trapping, you're losing money by the time you uh, skinned out a coyote in Texas. I mean, they're, they're worthless. Um, now, some of the northern coyotes, not so much, but nobody's trapping skunks and possums and especially raccoons. Meanwhile, we're increasing agricultural production, which is what I mean, raccoons, it's like corn's like a buffet for a raccoon. So yeah, there's more of these, um, uh, fur bear, fur bearing, uh, animals out there. And a turkey nest is a pretty easy thing to depredate on. So for you, sure. know, you, you mix in a ground nesting bird. And, uh, I think maybe our, the populations are, are just kind of leveling out again. Um, I'm not a biologist, but I'm just like, we really did like NWTF and, and all of this, uh, really driven and focused management strategy for turkeys maybe we peaked you know i hope i hope they can come back um to what what the numbers used to be i do know like when you when i called that biologist i had told him that um i see more nest predators now than i've ever seen in my entire life so like where i live um i own 155 acres and where our house is at there's a big valley below it. And then it goes into, we've got 50 acres of ag. And like, for instance, like this year, 
um, it would have been, it was this past year, this past fall or this past spring or whatever, it was, uh, it was corn. Mm -hmm. And I could go back into like where there would be a cove of, you know, corn that would go back and timber around it. And my stepdad farms for me and I like went back there and you're, you know, running trail cameras and like the first like 15, 20 rows were just completely destroyed, like the whole way around. Hmm. And I called him. I'm like, I go, you're going to, I go, you're going to, you know, you're going to be in like shock when you see this, like how much damage is here. And I said, I don't know if it's deer or coons or what. And he's like, honestly, he's like, it's there's the deer get the blame for a lot of that, but the coons are just hammering. As soon as that, as soon as that corn silks, it, they just, they just flock to it. Right. Mm-hmm. And then this, this spring Turkey season, um, there were times where we would go back and we would be turkey hunting those fields and um, it'd be nothing. There, there was mornings where we saw more coons walking around in the daytime than we did turkeys. Mm-hmm. And um, so it sounds like you need to up your trapping game. I know. And that's one thing I've never done. I've never trapped before. And luckily I know people who do. So I've been making calls mm-hmm. and, um, the, the thing is that I think one of the bigger deals, it's, it's not fun. That, you should do it yourself. It's, I mean, it's time, a little time consuming, but I know, I, I know, you know where to get a good trail camera to put on each, each set. And so you can like no, you can monitor it pretty, pretty good. Yeah. yeah the, the biggest problem with it is, is that it's not a problem. It's probably just where my priorities lie, but mm-hmm. I my priorities probably need to change is that in the fall, I'm trying to kill a big whitetail. Mm-hmm. And I tried to keep my pressure super low. I tried to stay off my farm unless literally I am moving in to kill one. And, that, and, and I'm not one of those guys that like puts a ton of pressure out there. Like I, I might, if, it, if it's not like a really good condition, I'm not going to go, I'm not going to go hunting. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that being said, that mindset where I'm at in Southern Iowa, everybody's buying these rec farms for deer, for deer hunting. The turkeys are secondary. The fur bearing, the, the trapping is like the last priority. So for, when the deer season ends is when you want to be focusing your energy on trapping anyway, because that's like, okay, leading up to spring when the, the turkeys are going to have their eggs on the ground. So you're actually, I mean, you're kind of coming out of that. So our deer order. season ends January 10th. Yeah. And then I've got to go to ATA show shot show oh my gosh chris there's excuse after excuse all right you're gonna next year we're gonna have this conversation and by february 1st you're gonna have x number of leg holds and i mean you can get i've never used the ones where the coon sticks their hand in i've caught them in leg holds before yeah those things seem to be real effective so they are effective i probably need to start putting an emphasis on trapping um so it's not it's not it's not unique to you it's it's this is like Everybody needs yes. to get back to what we used to do, which is invest some time and effort into trapping. Yeah. And I've got buddies who are like, Hey, we can go in there middle of the day, late morning. Um, and they told me that in a week's time that they're confident they can put a big dent in the coon population. Mm-hmm. Like these guys know how to trap. Like that's what they do. Like one of the, one of my buddies, he traps, he, his goal is a thousand coons a year. Oh my gosh. And last year he trapped 900 and something. Wow. So like, that's all he, that's like, that's his thing. Like he has a job where he can take off work for a month straight and he just traps like crazy. So he's like, dude, he's like, if I go on your farm, he's like, I'm telling you, he's like, I will put a gigantic dent in 
that population with, he goes, honestly, just three or four days in, like mm-hmm. I will trap that many coons. And so I'm just going to say, okay, let's just rock and roll and get her done. Right. Well, let, let's do this. Let's take a quick break. I want to come back and we'll transition into whitetails. Uh, but first we'll talk about how the state of Iowa incentivizes landowners to put their property into CRP and, and whether or not that's financially beneficial compared to what you could uh, what revenue you could generate from agriculture. Uh, that segment brought to you by SCI, the worldwide leader in big game conservation. No organization is doing more to help protect your rights as a sportsman or woman. And whether that's domestically or internationally, it doesn't matter. When it comes to big game conservation, SCI is the best of the best. That's why I'm a member. You should become a member as well. And you can just head over to safariclub.org to find out how to do that. It's as uh, cheap as like $65 a year. Very little uh, cost to be involved with a group of people who protect our rights. The best group, bar none. Uh, We'll be right back on the Lone Star Outdoors show. Tactical Skeleton Firearms specializes in custom AR-10 firearms. They're best known for their AR-10 308 pistols. Also, dual-caliber AR-10 rifle systems and dual-caliber AR-15 takedown pistols. Tactical Skeleton specializes in custom Cerakoting engraving, and they'll custom laser-cut the foam insert inside your hard gun case. They'll also take on any exotic caliber build offered on the AR-10 or AR-15 platform. Precision machining and hand-built quality guaranteed by a lifetime warranty? Who does that? Get free shipping on your order when you visit tacticalskeleton.com today. Cable here for Stealth Cam and the DS4K Ultra Trail Camera. Highest quality video on the market, bar none. It's 4K. It's incredible. And they've also got an entire lineup of cell cameras as well. You can find it all right there at stealthcam.com. Cable here for Pulsar. If you're looking for that nighttime optic, whether it's a night vision or my preference, thermal, mm, man, these things have gotten a lot more affordable over the years. Now, of course, it's still a pretty penny, but the working man can get into a thermal, can certainly get into night vision. It's a game changer, and nobody does it better than Pulsar. So if you're ready to light up the night, head over to PulsarNV.com to check out their entire lineup of thermal and night vision optics. This train flew out of Boston. This whole world passed him by. He said, I spent a lifetime running. Now's my time to try. I can't find someone holding. My dreams are sure to die. Now I've begun. Yeah, I've begun. As an oldie but a goodie from Hayes Carl bringing us back on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show presented by Mossberg Firearms. We're still visiting with our buddy Chris Duncan from Stealth Cam. Uh, Before we get back into that conversation, though, this segment is brought to you by the Mossberg Patriot. Um, I think the smallest caliber I have is a 243. That's Henry's gun. And then I've got a 375 Ruger, which I use for Cape Buffalo. And they've got everything in between. Actually, they even go smaller than the 243. I think they've got a 22, 250. And you can get a, uh, a walnut, beautiful walnut stock. You can get a synthetic stock. 
And this is a gun that is going to perform at a price point that isn't going to break the bank. It's the Patriot lineup, and you can find it from America's oldest family-owned firearm manufacturer. I'm talking about Mossberg. Head over to Mossberg.com to order yours today. All right. Well, um, let's get back into things here with Chris Duncan. And uh, we kind of left off talking uh, habitat improvement. So is your ag, is the corn or, or whatever you plant each year, is that like a food plot? Is that for the deer? Or are you actually harvesting that? So out of like, out of about 50, there's 50 acres of tillable. Because it's affecting planting. your deer too, if the coons are in there eating. For all sure. The feed. Yeah. I'll leave about five acres standing. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a big buffet for raccoons as well. Right. Like right. that's great for them too, unfortunately. But yeah, so I'll, out of the, out of the 50 acres, I'll leave um, five or six acres standing the rest to help offset my cost to own that farm. Um, so we'll harvest that. And then here in Iowa, we've got um, CRP contracts where you can enroll some land in CRP. And right now I've got like, I think eight or eight or nine acres in it. And the CRP rate kind of trends with, it's about three years lagging behind um, the, the corn, the, what the rate of the corn and the soybeans are selling for. So typically if the corn and soybean prices start going up, which they have the last three or four years, then the CRP contracts will follow. Mm-hmm. And if you don't do your own farming, so like me, I'm cash renting it out to a farmer. So I might be able to cash rent my land out for $200 an acre, but those CRP contracts might come in next year. I might be able to get $250 an acre to not plant it, just to plant into native grasses. And then mm-hmm. that's super great for wildlife. That's super, that's awesome for turkeys. Yeah. So I'm going to continue to follow that and see where we're at, you know, at the end of this year, beginning of next with, with those contracts. And I'll probably continue to enroll more in, into C- the CRP program too. Mm-hmm. And do hopefully you have pheasant? do you have pheasant up there? Yeah, we do. We used to have an amazing amount. I mean, it used to be, Iowa used to be the premium. It was Iowa and South Dakota. And that's what I started hunting when I was a kid. Like I used to go pheasant hunting with my dad before I even carried a gun. I would go walk with, with him and we went every weekend and it would it would be a rarity you could have five or six guys in a group you could kill three your your quota was three per person mm-hmm. and it was rare to still be hunting after lunch there was so many pheasants and so many quail and then oh it would have been probably around the time the ethanol started getting really big and corn prices went crazy um that Iowa was like loaded with CRP in the eighties and nineties. And then I don't recall when, but probably early 2000, probably late nineties, early two thousands. Um, there was a big ethanol boom and farmers were getting a crazy amount. And so the cash rent rates went up. Mm-hmm. So everybody pulled all their, they, they never renewed their contracts. They, there was people even pulling, pulling contracts out, paying a penalty to pull them out early Just to plan. Turn, it, turn it into corn and beans. Mm. And as soon as that happened, our pheasant population plummeted. I mean, like within three years, it went from a Mecca to we quit even hunting them because you couldn't even, you couldn't even find one. Yeah. And now, and now I've got some on my place. I actually had a first, my first covey of quail that I've seen in probably four or five years last, last uh, summer and last fall on my place. And that was just putting in seven or eight acres of CRP and native grasses. So 
um, I think, I think then, then again with that, you know, like you look at nest nest success and you start planting those native grasses and planting nesting habitat that'll help, you know, all those bird, all those bird species. So yeah, yeah they're coming back strong or not strong, but they're coming back at least. And uh, hopefully they continue to. I saw a pheasant in the damnedest of places uh, last week and you'll never guess where it was. So I'll just tell you, I was hunting axis deer in Hawaii. And, oh wow! Yeah. And I look over, I'm like, to, to my, my friend, uh, guide, I was like, come on, there's a pheasant right there. He goes, yeah, dude, they're all over this Island. I was like, seriously. He's like, yeah. He's like, they were introduced here 50 years ago or something. And there's no, there's no predators on Maui. None. Wow. Like they introduced mongooses from, uh, Africa. And that huh. is, that's the only thing there. <laughs> There's chickens literally walking around the entire island. I'm like, who owns these chickens? He's like, nobody. They're just feral chickens. I'm like, well, if S ever hits the fan, Hawaiians are going to be having a lot of chicken. Uh, but yeah, it's just, oh, and then we're uh, axis deer hunting and I, I'm walking through the woods and all of a sudden these quail just got you a quail. I'm like, dude, you have quail here? He's like, yeah, dude, we have, we have everything. <laughs> like, does, does anybody hunt them over there or not? It's very, very few people actually hunt the pheasant and the quail, but uh, he did when he was a kid. He, he, he grew up doing it. I never um, even knew there was, I, I mean, that makes sense, but I think either they're, they can live about anywhere. Obviously yeah. they were introduced to, you know, to mm -hmm. the United States as well. Uh, yeah. They're I think from Asia originally. Yeah. They're yeah. So technically they're an invasive species, yeah. but we still have a few out in West Texas. I mean, it's it's very uh drought sensitive yeah you know, we need to have just like the quail we need a couple of good years of, of moisture at the uh, right time and yep. they tend to come back but uh when i was younger i used to go out for the opener in west texas around lubbock um each i think it's around december and then we would mix in uh quail and, and goose and okay um, cranes it's sort of really a, a bird hunting paradise out there and the uh, texas panhandle so uh, before we talk about trail cameras, there's one other thing that I, I've, I gotta bring up because I've hunted in the Midwest and you, you said that you leave five acres standing of your ag for, for the wildlife. Yep. And I've hunted in Illinois and Pike County muzzleloader season multiple times. Same, same practice. Yep. Uh, outfitter left standing soybeans. Okay, dude, it's a big feeder. Like people want to knock Texans for shooting deer at feeders. I'm like, I'm sitting in a blind. I'm looking over this three or four acres. I can reach out and touch any part of it with my smoke pole. And it's attracting a ton of deer. Mm -hmm. No different than a, than a deer feeder, in my opinion. Your thoughts. There's, there's, in my opinion, there's quite a few differences. So, <laughs> first off, it's, it's just a bigger feeder. A deer feeder isn't natural. Uh-huh. And but you're manipulating the crops, which I say is not natural. Big, here's the biggest thing, two big things with feeders or with, with baiting. If you talk to a lot of guys from like Ohio or Michigan, um, places where Michigan it's been baited forever, but like it's it's obviously huge in Ohio now. The guys who like what what sucks about it for these guys is that now it's like if you're not just pouring out the bait then your neighbor is and he's getting all the deer but what the crazy thing is is like now like every like four acre piece like some guy can just go back there in this four acres and dump a giant pile of corn out and it's just 
that that right there bothers me but then also um another thing that i don't like about it is that well i don't necessarily like i don't it doesn't matter to me i don't care if people kill deer but another difference is like with a with uh, a food plot or leave an ag you don't necessarily like get to like put that in the perfect spot right so you can't plant a five acre field in the middle of a bedding area or right on the verge of it with like the perfect access and all this stuff. You got to have the right CSR, the right, you know, you got to have everything like has, has to be farmable, has to be plantable. And the thing about it is with like a feeder or with a bait pile, I can put a, I can put my cameras out. I can find, I can figure out pretty quick where this big dude's bedding at. And then I can go in and I can manipulate that even more by adding in corn, a corn pile or whatever I'm going to put out. And it could be in the middle of the damn woods. So there is a difference. There are a lot more, there's a lot more mobility to bait piles and feeders. And But a five acre manipulated piece of ag to me that I can shoot anything with a, with a muzzle loader or I don't, Iowa might even have a rifle season. I don't know. But just a big pile of bait. Mm. <laughs> we planted it and it is does like i and i don't know i don't feed or hunt so yeah I, is it I'm even legal in iowa it's not legal no we okay. we can put out we can put out supplemental feed yeah we just but can't see a lot of people's premonitions on on what and i've in 15 years of doing this um almost where you're from dictates your perception on a lot of this stuff like and we don't have the ag like you guys do, and we're not hunting big hardwoods like you are. Uh, so, especially in South Texas, if you've ever been to the Texas brush country, you ain't going to see a deer unless you have a, a, a sendero cut and a feeder or some kind of food there. There's, there's nothing. 100%, man. Like, so, it's it's like it's, a completely different. It's like so different than what Iowa is or Missouri or can which Kansas you can, you can bait too, but. Yeah. I don't know. I hope Iowa never changes it because right now it's like, I hate changing something. I, we've got a really good thing here. So like, mm -hmm. I don't want to, I don't want to change it. I don't want to, I, I just want to keep it like it is or make it even like more strict, like more strict bag limits, you know, that I, we've got a really good deer herd and I just don't want to see it get messed up. And that's my, I, get it. I totally get it. Why I'm hesitant for much change. No, I uh, I absolutely get it, man. As someone who experienced some unwanted change trying to be uh, forced down my throat and my fellow uh, North Texas residents' throats recently, I get it. Uh, and I'll tell you all about that after the break. That segment brought to you by Vortex Optics and the new Crossfire HD 1400 laser rangefinder coming in at a price point of uh, under 270 bucks. This little lightweight unit has a bunch of big features and a small price tag. So I'll pick one up and put it in your bow hunting pack before this coming fall. It's the Vortex Crossfire HD 1400 laser rangefinder. You can find it at your local retailer or at vortexoptics.com. We'll be right back with more from Chris Duncan on the Lone Star Outdoors show. That's why God loves cowboys. I believe there's a place in his heart. Cause when the herd needs tending, fences need mending, he knows they'll work hard. I'm Chris Letzinger, online sales manager at Cinnamon Creek Ranch here, reminding you we're not your typical archery club. We're a one-of-a-kind archery facility with indoor and outdoor ranges, 
full pro shop, and six different 3D courses. Cinnamon Creek was designed by hunters for hunters. Located in Roanoke, Texas, we have over 200 3D targets to hone your archery skills. Call 817-439-8998 or visit us at cinnamoncreekranch.com to visit our new online store. That's cinnamoncreekranch.com. Let's face it, guys. We all would love to own land, right? But they're not making any more of it. However, there's a solution. Lone Star Ag Credit has been helping its borrowers finance their own piece of paradise for over 100 years. Whether you want it for recreating, ranching, fishing, hunting, or just to get the hell out of Dodge for the weekend, visit Lone Star Ag Credit today to start making that dream a reality. Cable Smith, welcome in each and every one of you back into SCI's Lone Star Outdoors show presented by Mossberg Firearms. Thank you so much for being here today. Uh, we are still talking big whitetails and uh, trail cameras and uh, Midwest versus Texas deer hunting, all that good stuff with Stealth Cam's Chris Duncan. And we're going to jump back into that conversation. This segment, though, brought to you by Stealth Cam and the DS4K Transmit, which I believe Chris and I are going to talk about in just a moment. Uh, but uh, yeah, Chris, you mentioned before the break how you have a great thing in Iowa as far as a, an amazing whitetail herd. You want to protect that, and I totally get it. We have the same thing in North Texas. And where I live in North Texas, and you probably aren't aware of this, it's archery only in Dallas, Collin, and uh, Rockwall counties. Okay. Only the only, I mean, sorry, Dallas, Collin, Rockwall, and Grayson County actually was the first archery only uh, county in Texas. And um, there was a lot of stink recently of Texas Parks and Wildlife trying to implement rifle seasons in those counties. We do not have very many deer, dude. Like it is a very low deer density. Most of it, most of this area is developed um, at least 20 acres, and it cost like $5,000 to lease 20 acres. And people are like, oh, if you don't want to pay it, go somewhere else. There's the next guy standing in line ready to lease that. Uh, um, pretty sure my sweet wife only thought it was about half of that. Uh, so, but anyway, she doesn't listen to the show. Uh, <laughs> tax write-off though, right? Uh, yeah, no ag anywhere where I was. It was just a creek coming off of a, a WMA and the deer did pass through there. But um Texas Parks and Wildlife was like, we're going to put a rifle season. Well, it, it was a lot of corruption, basically, from one high fence ranch in Grayson County bitching about their inability to rifle hunt. And you're talking about 2,000-acre ranch. That is a unicorn in these counties. There aren't 2,000-acre high fence. There's very few, if any, other high fence ranches that I even know of in those counties. Is, is How you start going south, there's tons of high fences everywhere, but... These tracts of lands are they're small, small and, yeah, and we have giant deer in North Texas. Why do we have giant deer? Because it's archery only, and because people aren't smoking everything that walks out, and the people that are hunting these counties are are really invested in the management, um, and they're good hunters. So, how, so how far north, how far north are you then, or like what part of Texas is it? You say North Texas, like how far how close yeah. is it, like Oklahoma or whatever? Yeah, yeah, I'm like 45 minutes to Oklahoma. Okay. Like I actually just got another Oklahoma lease this year. 200 acres for $3,000 sounds a lot better. 
Yeah, that's what that's about going right here, like $15 an acre usually for a lease. I've been seeing them as high, like the last like two or three years, I've been seeing them as high as 30 or 40 bucks an acre. Mm-hmm. And the leases are getting way more popular too. I mean, there used to like be no leasing here, anything like yeah. that. Now it's. Yeah. That's the number one question I get is how do I find a deer lease? Uh, people always emailing or, or um, sending me a message on social. And I'll tell, I'll tell you, Craigslist and Facebook are really yep. good resources for that. You just got to, you got to check it every day. It's not like. You got to be on it like 24 seven. Like exactly. Like just every morning, check it yeah. right when you wake up, check it at lunch, check it in the evening before you go to yeah. bed. And then you got to be like the first guy to get a hold of this person and make yeah. a really positive impact when you talk to them because they are getting their door just knocked down by people asking to lease. Mm-hmm. I mean that I wish there was a silver bullet for it where I could say, yeah, John, here's how you find your lease. But th- that's the best uh, resource that I can, I can say is like, yeah, those two Facebook, uh, or if there's any hunting forums in your state, check those out as well. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I typically am for as many rights uh, uh, in, in less restrictions, I would yeah. never in, in want to, uh, take away people's rights to hunt, but this wasn't that like, we didn't have a rifle season and they're trying to add it. So we are trying to protect, like what you said, you, you, you love your Iowa hunting. Uh, what we have in North Texas is pretty special as well. Uh, but, but there's a reason for that. Um, okay. Let's talk trail cameras. There's at least two states I know of that have banned their use, and it might there might be certain times where they're illegal. But Utah and Arizona come to mind. They've been in the news a lot lately. Um, I don't I don't get it personally. Uh, I know that this what I see pictures of and hear horror stories is like every wallow in Arizona has seven cell cameras on it. Yeah, that's hunting. You hunt private land in Iowa. I hunt, I hunt private land in Texas for the most part. Um, when I go elk hunting, I don't usually even take a trail camera cause I'm counting every ounce in my pack. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's foreign to me. I, I don't, I don't know what that's like, but, uh, what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I, I guess here's my thoughts is like, I don't really fully understand, um, how quote unquote bad it was with those public areas and the water holes and stuff I could see. And I'm not sure. Did they, did they, did they ban those for private use too? Like on private lands? I think you I think one of them did at least. I think it was Utah, but the uh, the people I've talked to were like, yeah, screw you. You try to tell me what well, to do with my that's land. That's the thing. How are you going to enforce that? I don't know how you enforce it. And um, I think there's a lot of, there's a lot more benefits with running any type of trail camera, whether it be just a normal digital camera or a cell cam, there are far more benefits than in my opinion the negatives from it um well if you're hunting private land i don't think there's a single negative other than it it costs money other than that like what's the you know like there's no no negative that's outside of your own your own decision right i mean like yeah it costs money or you're putting potentially putting more pressure on the game depending on how you're setting your cameras up and what you're doing when you're going in to check them whatever but um you know like we were just talking about like predator populations, right? Mm-hmm. I, when, when we run cameras here, like it's not just for finding a big buck. Don't get me wrong. Like I love to f- get pictures of big deer, but 
I love also to see what else is on my property, whether that be, oh man, hey, there are just a crazy amount of raccoons on my property now compared to two or three years ago. My cam my cell cameras are going off all the time or my regular cameras, I'm getting tons of photos. Um, or, hey, my neighbor's on my farm right now and he shouldn't be on there. Or, hey, this guy just pulled in my driveway at the entrance to my farm, what is he doing? Right. Um, so from a private land perspective, I think it's insane that they, that they can tell you that you cannot run these cameras on your own private land. Now, when it comes to the, the public stuff, I mean, that's honestly, it's, it's up to, I guess, the state and their laws and their or federal government with their regulations on federal lands, whatever. I'm not saying I agree with it because I don't. Um, but I think I don't, I don't have an opinion one way or the other on yeah. that, because again, I don't like to tell people what they can and can't do. Yep. Um, but if it is, if it's negatively impacting the wildlife or really screwing up the hunting, then yeah, I understand it. It's like going back to reaping. I would never tell you, you can't reap on your own private land. Yeah. I, I don't care. Maybe it's not the best idea to be uh, crawling around with a fan in front of your face on public land where, you know, there's other hunters, uh, you know, yep. but, there's definitely, oh. you know, you got to be safe with it. Uh, you know, I would say that like here, for example, in Iowa um, and everywhere, just because you get a picture of a big deer doesn't mean you're going to kill him. does not mean that at all. It means, you know, he's around. I would say if anything, what these cameras have done, they have actually probably made management better. They've made probably pe more people say, Oh man, like I had photos of this deer last year. He was two. Like now I know he's three. He's 150 incher. Mm, I'm not going to shoot him because I know he's three. I think what it's doing here is it's actually giving people the ability to really micromanage their own farms, whether it be public or private, and probably made them a little bit pickier in terms of what animals and age structure they're actually going after. It's not hindering our age structure here. It's not bringing oh, down. It's 100% helping. Like yes. I knew on, so I, I just got off of uh, 700 acres in like two hours Northwest of here. And, uh, I knew every deer on that property, a couple showed up during the rut, but like, and I knew, Hey, we're not going to shoot this deer because he's three and a half. Like, yep. and then you have, you, there's four other guys on the property and you're all sharing pictures and you're like, yeah, hey, you're all on the same page and yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think also going, and I'm sorry to interrupt you, but this just oh, reminds okay. me of something too. I, I really believe um, that it helps get people interested in the outdoors and out there. Like my daughters, I've got a five-year-old daughter and a seven-year-old daughter. They absolutely love going out with me to check trail cameras or my cell cams. And I get photos like, and I check them whenever, you know, like they're like, oh, there's that buck. Oh, there's that buck. Oh, you know, I'm like, hey, look at this, what showed up they it gets them interested in what we're doing now there's obviously a lot of ways to do that to get them interested in the outdoors but there is an engagement aspect of it as well that people enjoy and i feel like uh, yeah so i guess my opinion is on that you asked me what my opinion was my opinion is that on private land um i think it should be up to the landowner and then on public land man like i i hate to see i hate to see people who have done what I've done and enjoy what I've enjoyed with running cameras, have that opportunity taken away from them. I understand, you know, some of these States like public land is massive, right? Like, I mean, it's yeah. in Iowa, there's not much public land, but some of these no, Western states, it's a ton of public land. So I, I just hate to see that, that opportunity yeah. go away for them. 
Well, yeah, maybe there's ways to combat the issue that like they see where there's eight different cameras on the same tree. Maybe you have to take them down before the season starts. That way, you know what animals are out there um, that you've been able to capture on your camera. But now everyone's going to play by the same rules. And, you know, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. But, um, yeah, I hate to see people not not be allowed to utilize them. Um, because I, like you said, your daughter, your daughter, five-year-old daughter. Yeah. I've got a a five-year-old and a seven-year-old. I have a nine-year-old son and twin girls that are seven and their favorite thing to do. Once we put like uh, big and Jay is a big sponsor and we put that stuff out and deer just flock to it. And they're like, they like to put out the big and Jay. And then they like an hour later, like, give me your, give me your phone, dad. I want to see what's at the, you know, they they love checking it for Um, sure. Yeah, it's one of their favorite things to do. I actually a, a quick story when it comes to cameras and um, and like so I I started running cameras back. I I don't even know what year it was. Like I think I still have like I've got like three giant like photo albums of just camera photos from when you used mm-hmm. to have to go to like twenty four hour Walmart development. And so like back then, I think my first camera was called like a Trail Timer Pro, and I think I started putting that camera out in like 2001 or 2000 probably 2002 where I grew up at and um so I've got a lot of experience with cameras technology is amazing where they came from and to think that now like we used to get 24 photos on a roll to now we can have those images sent directly to us and you know you can have cameras that have a solar panel on them or battery box and they can run for a year is amazing um but quick story, when I first bought my, my, our land that my wife and I purchased, it was in 2020. And previous to that, the guy who owned it, it was like the wild west. I mean, it was like a free for all. This guy didn't, he owned ground all over and he didn't own it for hunting. He owned it for farming and he ran cattle on some of it. Um, but he wanted every deer dead. He did not like the deer. Oh, wow. He didn't care about the deer. So when I first bought it, it was like, it was like public hunting. And I put signs up, I put a gate up. I went down there. I think we closed in like October. I went down there. Um, you know, I obviously hunted it that fall, ran into some people hunting there, talked to them. This guy doesn't own it anymore, blah, blah, blah. Well then, um, I went down there and like, it would have been mid December and, there was my gate like, and this guy, someone had driven in with a four wheeler and like I was following their tracks and then it got to a gut pile and I'm like, Oh, someone obviously killed a freaking deer in here. And then like, there's another spot like on the North side wraps around. And I went, I followed the tracks up there and there was another gut pile. Mm. This place had like, like I said, it turned into the wild West. So long story short, I put, I put some cell cameras up, like up in the trees at the gate, like on the dead end road. Was the person still there when you? No, found these- they were not oh. there. But I, but anyways, um, I found out who they were like within within three days because then they were back again. These this was one of the neighbors that had yeah. been hunting there his entire life. He didn't care that I bought that place. He was gonna go out there and shoot deer. He was gonna do whatever he wanted. And I had found out that this guy shot a, had been shooting a lot of deer. So long story short, we've, 
when I sent him the fo- when I actually like text, I got his phone number. I texted him the photos of himself mm-hmm. on my farm. And I'm like, Hey, I'm going to be neighborly with you. Like this has got to stop. You cannot be on my land. I bought this. If you want to fish sometime or you want to like mushroom hunt, then we can talk. But you know, like I bought this for myself. To- you were way nicer than I think a lot of people would have been. I, you got, I wanted to be really careful because this guy lived right there. Right. Yeah. So like, I was like, man, I do not want to, I do not want to go down this road of, yeah. you know, like you got to be neighborly and if it continued, it wouldn't be good. But um, anyways, long story short, like that security aspect of being able to have those cameras there and now them and everybody else in this entire area, ever area now, like they know you walk on Chris Duncan's farm, he's going to have a photo of you. Right. And, um, and honestly, that's kind of like all over the state. I mean, it's all over down here now. People, so many people are running cameras that it's not just for the security, it's for the management um, aspect of it, or sorry, not just for the management, it's for the security aspect of it yeah. too. Um, but how much wildlife had been taken off that farm before I was there by a lot of different people. And um, I want to manage it a certain way. And now that's, that's what's going to happen. So for the betterment of wildlife, I, I can tell you right now that farm is way better than it was two years ago. And it's only going to continue to get better. And yeah. a huge reason for that is because of cell cameras. And um, I just, if the DNR ever told me, Hey, Chris, you can't run cell cameras again. Well, I'm sorry. I'm going to keep running them for security purposes. Yeah. What, what do you mean? I'm looking for deer. This is a security camera. And that's about half of mine are right. Right. <laughs> um, the, the first place I ever leased in Oklahoma, I, it was probably, we had it for four years and the first year it was like that. Uh, it was 900 acres and the neighbors would take a boat up the river, which went through our property get out and dude i had multiple pictures of them with bows then here's rifle season now we've got rifles i used those uh, stealth cam images put them on facebook and said hey uh it wasn't a lot of money it was like a hundred dollar reward for if anybody can identify these people yep was wasn't 24 hours some girl was like i went to high school with that guy he's a jerk yeah <laughs> told me who it was <laughs> dude yeah i i i uh told the landowner he was like, do you guys want to prosecute them? Because it had to be the landowner that did it. And we're like, yes, we do. Uh, because they're going to come back if we don't. And yep. so they, they got, uh, you know, they got a couple hundred dollar fine or whatever for, for trespassing. And we never had pictures of them again for the next three years. See, uh, and it, it stopped that problem. Yeah. Made them yeah. think twice about it then. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Well, and they didn't even know the cameras were there. So. For sure. Let's do this. Let's knock out our last commercial break here. Uh, We'll come back and get into some of the the models that are available today. I mean, the evolution of these things, the technology is uh, light years from where it was when I first got, you know, my original cellular camera. And uh, it's not just stealth cam anymore. GSM owns three camera companies, I believe. Uh, So we'll get into all of that. Uh, That segment brought to you by Black Rifle Coffee. America's Coffee Company, veteran-owned and operated. doesn't matter whether you like a light, medium, or dark roast. They've got dozens of each right there on their website. They now have K-Cups, too, for your Keurig, if, uh, if that's your jam, plus all the great unapologetic pro-America swag that they've got on their website. And you'll get 20% off your entire order when you use my promo code LONESTAR20 when you check out at BlackRifleCoffee.com. We'll be right back on the Lone Star Outdoor Show.
All right, guys. As we age, stuff starts to hurt. Our joints are inflamed. Nothing seems to work like it used to. That's where cryotherapy comes in. I've been going to cryo and more in McKinney for over a year. It's the fastest way to reduce inflammation and get to the root cause of all that pain. Uh, I feel amazing when I get out of the cryo chamber. And they've got some cool Father's Day uh, specials coming up. 100 bucks for cryo skin facials. That's uh, $57 savings. And only $30 for a full whole body cryotherapy session. That's my favorite. And that's $10 savings. Call 214-892-5334 to schedule your appointment today or head over to cryoinmore.com. Hey guys, Cable here, and last year was a wild year for censorship. It's only continuing in 2022 uh, for us hunters and anglers. So I've partnered with the social media platform Go Wild to combat mainstream social media censorship. Go Wild was built by outdoorsmen and women, by hunters and anglers just like you. It's a free social community. Not only are your photos not censored, they're encouraged. Imagine that. Go Wild gives you points for things like sharing your trophies, gear reviews, and inviting friends. As you earn points, you unlock awesome rewards too, such as gift cards, free swag, knives, huge discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex, and so many more. Oh, and if you create a free account, you get 10 bucks to the store just for trying it out. Visit DownloadGoWild.com to get started, and I'll see you over there. Worth the damn was a fender in a rock and roll band. I can't pull no car apart, but I can fix a broken heart. And we could build a dream right where we stand. Sean one McConnell, acre One land. Acre of Land, bringing us back on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show, presented by Mossberg Firearms. Uh, we're still visiting with Stealth Cam's Chris Duncan. Before we wrap up that conversation, though, this segment brought to you by All Seasons Feeders. Check out the 600-pound stand-and-fill or its little brother, the 300-pound stand-and-fill. It's called a stand-and-fill because you don't need a ladder. You don't need to back your truck up to it. No, you just stand there and fill it. So simple. I don't know why, and this is crazy, right? Why did it take so long for that technology to actually happen? (laughs) But kudos to uh, All Seasons for making it the uh, the new gold standard. It's the stand and fill. You can find it at allseasonsfeeders.com. Um, okay. Well, Chris, thanks for sticking around. Let's talk about some of the models that are available across the GSM Outdoors umbrella. Uh, you've got Stealth Cam. You've got Muddy and recently acquired uh, Wild Game Innovations as well. But uh, I'm really only familiar with Stealth Cam. I've worked with them for, gosh, eight or nine years now. So and, Stealth and Cam has been one of their legacy brands, right? I mean, we've yeah. worked with oh, yeah. for a long time. And I'm holding right here, brand spanking new DS4K transmit. So the DS4K is like 4K video quality. It's the best thing on the market. It's amazing. And now we've got that in cell camera form, which mm-hmm. before you could, you, that was one of the few, because of the high quality where it wasn't like, you couldn't get that option with a, a cellular uh, model. Yeah, and that's what we wanted to do. So Stealth Cam's been around a long time. They were one of the first in the industry to come up with, you know, come out with a cell camera. And there's been so much, such an advancement in the technology with those cameras. And we've got a team that is solely focused 
on our trail cameras. Right. So like, mm -hmm. we're pretty fortunate that we've, we've got guys that that's their only thing they worry about is the app, the, the cameras themselves, the quality control, you know, and just continuing to innovate and, and come up with more features and a better product. So I remember when we, when, for instance, like the first stealth cell cameras, right? Like you'd get a number one, like you'd have to, when you went to add the camera to your account, you'd have to like type in all the numbers and like oh, the ICID yeah. and IMEI. Tedious. Well, now it's like a quick scan. So like now it used to take like, let's say, if you were really proficient, you could probably set a cell camera up. If you were like super good at it, probably in seven minutes. Um, and that's if you were like really good at it and knew what you were doing. And had, like, it took me like 30 minutes. Of yeah. yeah. And then <laughs> that, that's the thing, like the first ones it was like, it took forever. Now it's for those of you who don't it never ran a camera. There's a, there's a QR code that's inside the door. So mm -hmm. literally once you download our app, it's as simple as opening that, that door and it'll walk you through your process, but you literally scan it with your phone and boom, it adds, you select your plan. So the, the ease of use has gotten way easier, but then like the, the images have gotten so much more clear. The battery life's gotten so much more better. The advances in the stealth cam and even muddy and wild game, since we've purchased wild game, um, the last, last year and a half have gotten way better too. Um, but I know that was one thing that scared a lot of people away was just the, the ease of setup and how to run them. And yeah. now we've kind of taken that out of the equation. It's, it's a breeze now. Well, and let's talk about the cost because I remember the, when the first, uh, I don't remember if it was a GX wire. No, I don't remember what model was the first one that I had, but it was, it was huge, big old boxy looking thing. Um, and I think they were like $399, dude. They yeah. were expensive. Now you can get them for, for half that or, or less, depending on which model. Yeah, I mean, it depending on, depending on the time of year and where you purchase it from. I've seen like our Fusion X, for example, and like our Muddy Manifest. I've seen them at sub 100 all day. Mm -hmm. um, so a cell camera. That's crazy. For a cell camera. And for one that's going to send you great, you know, good images. It's going to have you know, good battery life. It, it's, it's amazing. And then we, one thing that we wanted to do, and it's, it's kind of happened the last two years and we probably don't, we probably don't push it enough, but I would challenge everybody who's thinking about running a cell camera to, to really analyze and look at data plans out there from not only, you know, stealth muddy and, and wild game, but look at any of the other competitors out there and compare their data plans and their data rates to what we have to offer we have the most competitive data rates and data plans on the market today. And we'll continue to do that. That's one thing that we oh. wanted to do was yeah. to, um, it used to be like 20 bucks or something. Even maybe yeah, even there were can, plans that were like $30 a month. Now you can get in the game for $5 a month. Yeah. You can go as low as five bucks a month. Um, and then if you're a person, if you're a guy that's going to run a handful of cameras, um, you can always do our bundle plan where, it's going to be $50 for unlimited photos. And then every camera you frats up to three cameras and every camera you add on top of that is, is $5 a camera. And, you know, you can do, you can pay, you can do monthly contracts. So if you're someone that's like, Hey man, like I don't, I'm probably only going to run this thing September, October, November, December. Well then that's fine. Just pay for it for four months, run them for four months. If you, yeah. if you're like me and I have want, all mine turned off right now, cause I'm getting yeah. in the process of moving from one lease to 
I picked up two other ones. So yeah. turn, I think I have 13 or 14 cameras, turn them all off. And yep. you know, as turn soon them as I ready to use them. Yeah. And, and I, I, so like when I'm at my peak, like between myself and um, my two buddies that like between my farm and then a, a couple of leases we have at our peak in November, we're running about 30 cell cameras mm-hmm. right now. I probably cut in half. We probably have 15, 15 out. Um, and I've started to use them like this year. I used them for turkey hunting like crazy. Like those 15 have been out for turkeys. Like that's one thing I never did before. I just, I it was strictly for deer and mm-hmm. it was, you know, and then I had them on every gate entrance to the farm and maybe a few other random spots for security purposes. But then this year we started putting them on, you know, to, to monitor different food plots or to see what those turkeys were doing when they were out, how many there were. Um, that place that I just got off of, we, I had never saw a turkey during deer season there ever. Not one, not one turkey, not one photo, two springs in a row, turkeys. Like they, yep. they change their, their, uh, their habits and, and move around. And, you know, the, the hens start spreading out a little bit. Um, and I ended up killing birds there because I, I never would have known they were there if I wouldn't have had cameras active, you know, in, sure. in March. Yeah, that's cool. You got a spot. My farm's the same way where they're not there at all in the fall and winter. And then they show back up and they kind of pack in there in the, in March to, you know, all summer long. And then they leave again. And I, I did ask that biologist about that too. And he said that they, really like in the fall and winter they really like mature timber up here mm-hmm. really like big mature more open timber so he said they're they're all probably congregating somewhere and going somewhere that has that in your area and then then they come back to you know do their breeding and nesting on you in the in the spring but yeah lots of different uses um this was the first year that i had ran so we had purchased um wild game in april well it was more than just wild game, but there was a handful of brands that were from Plano Synergy that we had acquired in April of last year. And wild game had always been kind of like, you know, it was kind of like that um, price point camera that mm-hmm. just didn't have the quality that a lot of us wanted. And then they had, they had some bad runs to be completely honest with you with some cameras and some camera models and they kind of got a bad rap there for a while. So like we knew we had our hands full when it came to that brand, um, especially that brand. And we had to take charge and, and get the confidence back in the consumer who buys our product. Um, and, and we did that. So we took a few of their cameras, we completely revamped them. So we've got their encounter cam and we've, it's, we call it the encounter point 2.0. And we're, uh, we're getting ready to launch that. And then we've got a Terra cell cam as well. And I wanted, when I talked at the beginning of this podcast, I talked to you about some of the fun stuff I do with this job. Well, I'm part of the beta testing program Mm. with all of our cameras. So when it's, when I'm like running 30 cell cameras, like half of those are probably test cams where it's stuff new for next year. It's tweaks that we're running to these cameras. Well, I had, I got the opportunity to run those two cell cameras, um, for the last six months and they are, they are bad to the bone. They're for the man, for, like you said, a sub hundred dollar camera, like that encounter, the battery life is phenomenal. I know like the fusion X, uh, I don't know if, I think you probably ran that camera. Oh yeah. I have three or four of those. Cam lineup. 
that camera's got damn good battery life. The encounter, I promise you, you will get at minimum four months of battery life at wow. minimum. So that that's actually got the best battery life out of all the cell cameras I've ran. Mm. Um, picture quality is not quite as good as like the fusion X, but it's still, still plenty good enough. Um, but yeah, man, they, the hunt smart app is pretty sweet. It's got a lot of cool features. So I'm, we're, we're turning that brand around. We're turning those cameras around. And I think that this year the consumer is going to be super pumped. I'm anxious to, I'm excited to see what everybody thinks when they, when they start using some of them. Yeah. And for a sub hundred dollar price point. I mean, yeah. Like the terror, I think will be like one nineteen probably. Uh, and that's, you know, that would be, you'll be, guys will be able to find them for a hundred bucks. You know, like I always tell people there's a retail price and then, our retailers, they'll, they'll go below that at certain times. They'll have certain sales, certain specials, keep your eyes open, but you cannot go wrong with, with those cameras at, at those price points at all. Um, they, people need to lose. And, and I, I get it right. Like if we buy something and we have a bad experience with it as a consumer, it doesn't matter if it's a hunting product. It's probably, it's probably actually a, it's probably worse with hunting products because we're all so passionate as outdoorsmen, right? Yeah. Like we work our ass off for the ability to, spend money on these products and we're so passionate about this this hobby that we all have it's, so it's probably even a stronger uh, i guess um disappointment if if you buy a product and it doesn't work than if you buy like a whatever from the store and it doesn't work so we are going to earn the consumer confidence back and um our team is doing a really good job at at that uh for wild game innovations for, for, yeah, for all of our products, but I'm specifically talking about wild yeah. game. I was stealth like, you don't need to earn stealth, my confidence back for stealth. No, stealth and muddy. <laughs> those, those, that, those, uh, those, those camera programs are where they need to be, and yeah. they're getting better. The wild game cameras, when we purchased them, they were not up to our standards yet, and now now they are. So, mm-hmm. And we've, we've only really talked about cell cameras. I mean, there's still a litany of uh, just regular cameras available and the price points on those have dropped dramatically over the last five or six years as well. You want one that's, uh, specializes in, in night photos. Well, yeah, we have one that, that does that. Um, I mean, the options are, are limitless. So tons of options, tons of price points. It really just depends on what the consumer is looking for, what they're wanting. Um, you know, it's no different than like a tree stand. If, if I'm going to go put up 15 tree stands, um, I'm probably going to go buy, but potentially like a tree stand, a hang on stand from our big game lineup, or maybe like one of the, the uh, muddy uh, boss stands that are 99 bucks. Um, mm-hmm. But if I want one or two super badass, you know, setups, then I'll probably jump into a Hawk ladder stand. So it's all just, you know, what the consumer wants, how much they're going to spend, what they want to spend. I mean, so many variables there. And that's one thing as a company and as you know, with GSM, we've got so many brands and uh, so many different products, so many different price points that we really fill the void or fill a gap uh, for any consumer. Oh yeah, it's a one-stop shop. Yep. Uh, no doubt about that. Uh, well, Chris, man, I've certainly enjoyed the conversation. It's, uh, it was cool to you know, kind of hear how Iowa hunting uh, plays out. You know, it's something different uh, from, from Texas. Always like hearing about how other people hunt and for sure. It's cool that, and I didn't even know you owned your own farm. So we had that, uh, that was interesting to, to see how that's played out and, uh, kind of a new venture for you. And 
Yeah, it's been yeah, life. Yeah, the, 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 finally got it done. So the previous landowner was just like so laissez faire about it. Like, hey, yeah, just anybody can hunt, whatever. The neighbor's been hunting there his whole life. Like, well, no, all the, I think all the neighbors were all the yeah. all the neighbors were, and that's like the first like four months they wouldn't even wave at me when I drove down there. And now now they're my buddy. So it's all good yeah. now. Well, right on, man. Well, hey, I appreciate the time and I uh, hope you have a great summer. And look forward to seeing pictures of a, a big. Have you killed a nice buck on your farm yet? I shot one last year. It's a mid, it was an upper 50s uh, deer that we had a couple years of photos of. So it's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And our age structure is really good. So it should be a, should be a great, great year this year. So what is the, what is the magic number where you're like, this is the kind of deer that really gets me excited and, and where you hunt in Iowa? So where we're at, we, we personally like on our farm we will not shoot one unless it's five or older so we want to get them to five if there's unless there's one that's like you know if there's like a eight that has really crappy genetics or something Mm -hmm. and he's four we'll we potentially will take him because as a landowner i can get through i can actually get three buck tags as a landowner Mm -hmm. um and then my wife, she can get a few. So I actually had one of my buddies come down last year and I had this eight pointer that was four and he was just, he was like 120 inch deer. And he was just, he was honestly an, a freaking ass and he was a bully and he would all, ever all the photos I had from him, like I had DS4Ks running on video mode and every, like every time I got a photo or a video of him, he was all bristled up. Like he walked around the farm, like pissed like off. He owned it. World. <laughs> Yeah. And that's what he did. And I've got a lot of deer. I mean, I had a handful of deer that were three or four that, or even, you know, like 10 points that were two that I'm like, there's no way that these deer are going to all be able to stay here. So I had my buddy from Des Moines, he came down and he, uh, he shot that buck. So we got rid of him and um, we've killed a few different bucks on our farm. We're still kind of trying to figure it out, you know, like it takes a little bit to really dial a farm in. So I feel like this year it'll be, it'll be different, but it should it should only continue to get better yeah. and the magic the magic number though like the the magic number for age where i have seen deer in iowa grow the big their biggest racks and this isn't this isn't a you know an all or nothing thing like this isn't like something for every deer it's not like a right. set and true rule but it's seven and a half now i'm mm-hmm. not going to pass one that's a stud at five but seven and a half is the magic number where I have seen, I have seen deer firsthand over the last 15, 20 years that when they get to seven, that's when they grow their biggest rack. Yeah. And then it's kind of downhill after that, which yeah, typically it's like at seven, they've already out. I mean, they've already outlived the normal white tail deer's lifespan. Yeah. I mean, for, for most places across the country and even in Iowa now, I mean, we have more deer die of EHD. I swear more bucks die of EHD than we do getting shot by hunters. It feels like in my area. So um, the average age of the white tailed deer killed in Texas. Can you take a guess? One and a half, two and a half on bucks. Yeah. 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 I think that that's it's with antler restrictions and stuff. It's, it's slowly trending upwards, but yeah, it's still uh, two and a half just average across the board. But I think more people and trail cameras are a big part of that. More people are cognizant now of mm-hmm. it's not so much of a, if it's Brown, it's down. Oh, it's got eight points. Got to shoot them. Yeah. You know, that, We're that lucky here, like what it is here is we just don't have a lot of pressure. Right. So like we've got giant sections and we just don't have a lot of people. 
and we've got um, you know Iowa. Iowa when they it just by chance when you know Iowa's a big. We can guy. send you some California transplants if you want them. I don't think got a lot of them. They, they probably get mauled here by these other deer. Oh, you're talking about people. Yeah. Oh no, I don't know. We probably don't need that. Probably don't need that. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's just when Iowa first made their rules, like there wasn't even deer here at all in the '50s, and then their first deer season was in the '60s, and the state when they were deciding when to have deer season. They're like, oh, well, we can't have deer season. And like, and it was just gone, right? No one bow hunted back then. Mm-hmm. So it was like, oh, we can't have deer season in, or gun season in October or November. They didn't even know about the rut. Like no one knew that deer rutted in November. They're like, we're gonna have to probably put the gun season sometime in December because all the farmers, everybody's out farming. Everybody's out helping the farmers. Every, so no one yeah. can hunt if we do a gun season or deer season in November. So luckily they put the gun season in December. So we have no, we have no rut or no firearm season during, during the rut. rut. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Very cool. Right on, man. Well, I certainly enjoyed it and uh, look forward to the next time we catch up. Yeah. Appreciate you having me on and uh, thanks for the opportunity. So there he goes. Chris Duncan from stealth cam and GSM outdoors. Um, I always enjoy getting another person's perspective. Cause like I said, our ideologies on what we believe is the right way or preferred way to hunt is generally based on where we're from and and a lot of times how our dad or our granddad did it and uh, and there's nothing wrong with that but y'all know me um hunt your way do it ethically and legally and you're good in my book uh that segment of the presentation brought to you by rustic reminders taxidermy They've got locations in San Antonio and Marion, Texas. That's right outside New Braunfels, if you're not familiar with that little postage stamp of a town. But they're the best taxidermist in Texas, bar none. That's why I've been using them for over a decade. Give Josh and Becky Gunther a shot with your next trophy mount. They do great work with fast turnaround time, and they answer the phone when you call. Imagine that. Uh, Taxidermists who aren't dodging you (laughs) 24-7. You can find them. At gr the number eight mounts.com. Unfortunately, we are out of time for today. Gotta go. Gotta get out of here. Thanks to Chris, as well as all of our sponsors for making the show possible. Thanks to you, the listener, for being a part of SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. Until next time, I'm Cable Smith saying y'all have a great week in the outdoors. <laughs>